He started a new series titled, Where Do We Go From Here? And in his first few weeks, basically he walked us through Jesus's final days. And then we last week got into the book of Acts. And we talked about Acts 1. And the theme verse for that uh, for this, this series out of Acts is Acts 1.8. And we're memorizing this verse. And it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. We're going to memorize this. So will you stand and let's say this together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You may be, Acts 1.8, you may be seated, okay? In 32 years of ministry, one of the most often asked questions that I get is simply this, George, is there one ingredient that will ensure that, that I can get my hands around, that I can be a part of, that will help me to get where God is wanting me to go? Pastor George, is it education? Is it being good? Is it keeping the Ten Commandments? Is it going to church all the time? Is there one aspect, one ingredient that I can get my hands around that will ensure me that I will experience God's blessings, that he will have, it will put a smile on his face? And I say, absolutely. There's one thing, and that is living by faith. The Bible says without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. And so it's absolutely important, is it not, that if you and I are going to move from wherever we're at to where God is leading us, that we grow in faith, that we strengthen our faith, that we develop our faith. And the Bible tells us how to do that. It says that faith comes from hearing from the word of God. In other words, the Bible is faith food. And the more you get into the Bible, the more your faith is going to grow, the more your faith is going to be strengthened, the more your faith is going to be developed. You and I play a part in that. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Jesus is saying that you and I get to choose how we get blessed. You and I get to choose how many prayers are going to be answered. You and I get to choose how God is going to work in us and change us. You and I get to choose how we're going to change our marriages. You and I get to choose how God is going to work not only in us, but through us. And how much will that be? Well, it's all according to your faith. God says, if you've got a lot of faith, you're gonna see me do a lot of things in your life. If you've just got a little faith, you're just gonna see me do a little bit in your life. If you have no faith at all, you're not gonna see anything. 
Because according to your faith, guess what? It'll be done unto you. Faith is the key. Now this raises a question. What is faith? Well, the Bible gives us an answer. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and I love this out of the God's Word translation. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, in front of you, in that empty pew, is a Bible. Will you take that? It's our gift to you, okay? But we're going to be taking a look at all kinds of different translations this morning. It's just my practice. And I love God's Word translation on Hebrews 11.1 1, that defines faith for us. And it says, faith assures us of things we expect. You see, what is faith? It's expecting the best. It is more than optimism. It is more than positive thinking. It is more than wish, wishing. It is more than good luck. What I am saying is that expecting the best is this. Will you read this on the screen? It is the confident assurance that God is in control of the future and that he has plans, good plans for my life. That is what faith is. It is expecting the best and it is knowing that God is in control. That he is in control of my future and your future. He's in control of the world's future. And that his plans that he has for us are for our good. This definition is based out of Psalms 32 verse 8. That says this. I will guide. Stop right there. What is God saying? He's saying I'm in control. The government isn't in control. You're not in control. I'm not in control. Pastor Mark's not in control. God is in control. He says, I will guide who? You. Will you circle that? It's mentioned three times in this one verse alone. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Will you circle that? Your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. God says, you know what? I'm in control. But I've got a plan for your life. To get you from wherever you're at to where I'm wanting to get you next. And this plan is customized. It is tailor-made for you. It's not a generic plan. It is a specific plan. And God says, if you will trust me and you will get to know me, then you can expect the best because I'm in control and I will advise you. Now, people ask me all the time, but Pastor George, how in the world can you expect the best when there are so many dangers in this world? How can you expect the best when there are so many bad things that are going on? And boy, we have experienced a number of those globally, have we not, in these past, I don't know, year, year and a half. All kinds of things. Well, you and I learned the answer to that question through a story of David and Goliath. You, 
You heard that story? Are you familiar with that story? I love this story. One day, Israel is fighting the Philistines. And the Philistines have a giant on their side. He is a nine-foot giant. What Israel has is King Saul, who's a scaredy cat. He's a chicken. It affects, oh boy, it, is a, it affects the whole army, okay? They look at Goliath and they say, hey, he is too big to fight. But we know the story, don't we? This little guy comes in called David. And he says, you know what? This guy isn't too big to fight. He's too big to miss. And in this story, we learn some things on how to expect the best. And what difference it makes. So let's take a look at this story. Because we as a church, we are on the precipice of God taking us from where we're at to where he's wanting to lead us. And I am excited about the future. I am Pastor Mark's biggest fan. And next week, you'll hear him. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, okay? But what do we learn from this story about expecting the best? The first thing is this, that it honors God. When you expect the best and know that God is in control and that he is out after your good, it says something about who you think God is. When you expect God to help you, when you are facing whatever giants you're facing, going from here to there, folks, it pays him a great compliment. Listen to what David says here. I love this. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. Don't you like the tone of that? And I'll strike you down. And the whole world will know that there is a God. Folks, I have expectations for the best for LifePoint. That the world is going to know that there is a God. Just like 32 years ago when I came here, as my dad would say, without a pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. But when that day happened on March 12th, 1989, the world came to know that there is a God and the world will come to know that there is a God as Pastor Mark leads us as a spiritual family into what I call Life Point 2.0. Now you parents know what I'm talking about here, don't you? Parents, if you heard your kids say, my mom and dad can do anything, you'd be proud of that, wouldn't you? Sure you would. Well, guess what? God is in control. God can do anything he wants. And when you expect him to do that, folks, it honors him I've been reviewing a, a, a quote from William Carey, who is a, was a missionary to India, that said, expect great things from God. 
attempt great things for God. The second thing that it does is that it increases my abilities. David hurling that stone and hitting Goliath right smack dab in the forehead was all of a result of David's faith. Have we not seen that on TV as we watch sporting events? Did we not, and I hate to say this because I'm a Kansas City boy, but did we not see that at the, the, at the 55th Super Bowl with Tom Brady? We've seen that, haven't we? There just seems to be something in someone's performance, especially when you look at athletes that have a winning attitude. They just seem to win a whole lot more often. One of the greatest fighters, at least in my lifetime, Muhammad Ali. 61 fights, 56 wins, five losses. And all of those losses, before the fight, he said this, if I lose. Folks, faith has a power to change your abilities. David picks up five stones, smooth stones, with a little slingshot, and he takes down a nine-foot giant. Now, I know, you're sitting there, and you're thinking, okay, George, if he was really that confident, why didn't he just pick up one stone? Well, that's really easy. Goliath had four other brothers. And he thought, you know what? They may all be there that day. I'm going to take them all down in one, one setting, okay? When you act in faith, expecting the best folks, it does something about the God-given gifts that he's given you. The third thing it does is that it increases, um, or not increases, it encourages others. Take a look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 52. Then the Israelites gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath. The Bible tells us here that when Goliath was defeated, that the Israelites shouted a great victory, okay, and chased their enemies all the way to Gath. Folks, when we, when we found Pastor Mark, man, I knew it. I, I've told you this story, okay? But when that second slate of candidates came up, because the first ones didn't work, and I was reviewing, Mark was my number one candidate. And it's interesting how God confirms things like that, okay? I keep these things away from Cheryl, but Cheryl just happened to be walking by as I was listening to three of these top candidates. And she heard Mark, and she said, Mark's it. God, did you just speak to me? I don't know about you other husbands, but God sounds an awful lot like my wife, okay? And I shouted, God, thank you. You see, this happened to Israel. Why? All because of David's faith. Faith has the power to energize. It has the power to encourage, to excite. Listen to me on this. Faith has the power to move. Your faith can turn a stony heart in your world into a heart of flesh. And it doesn't take a lot of faith. 
the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain that seems so immovable, hey, I want you to go from here to there. George Gallup did a survey and found that those people who are, those that have the greatest faith are those who are the most happy in life and are the most influential. Going from here to there. And so being around people of faith, folks, helps you to expect the best. It honors God. It increases your abilities. It encourages other people. Now, some of you I know right now are thinking, but Pastor George, you don't understand the Goliaths that I'm facing in my life right now. They are overwhelming. They are bigger than life. They're bigger than Goliath. And there's not just one. All of his brothers have shown up as well. And you're right. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know this, that you can do the same things that David did to get, that gave him confidence. You can do those things. And if you do, you will find yourself having the same attitude that David had. That God is in control. And that he has a plan. He's in control of your future and he has a plan to get you where he is going. So how do you get this attitude? Well, there are four things. I'm going to give you an overview of David's life out of the book of Psalms. Four things that David did. And the first one is this. Write these in your notes. And that is tune in to God every morning. The first thing that you need to do when you start your day is to get with God. This will make you a person of faith. Here is David's secret to optimism. Take a look at Psalms 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you, will, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Where did David get this attitude of expecting the best? From spending time with God in the morning. Before he talked with anybody else, folks, he talked with God. It has been my practice for 40-some years, before my feet hit the ground in bed, and it happened Friday morning. I wake up, 4.35 in the morning, God, you've given me a new day. And you're doing some new things and some exciting things, and I sure in the world want to enter into them. Let me be a part, please, 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 okay? And I get a text from Pastor Mark. Now, I know that some of us here are just naturally optimistic. You just wake up and you're ready for that. But others of you can relate to, I believe, Eeyore the donkey. You, of Winnie the Pooh? I, 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 folks, I have that video. I watch that video once a year. I love Winnie the Pooh, okay? I, at one time, when I was just going through, t I bought Tigger. I love Tigger, too. You know, you know Tigger? The bouncing, I'm kind of like that with my ADD. I love it, okay? But I think you can relate to this. Let me, let me just read an excerpt out of the book. 
he stood beside, that is Eeyore, stood beside the stream and he looked at himself in the water. Pathetic. That's what it is, pathetic. He turned slowly and walked down the stream for 20 yards, splashed across it and walked slowly back on the other side. Then he looked at himself in the water again. As I thought, no better from this side, but nobody minds, nobody cares, pathetic. That's what it is. Just then, a crackling noise in the brackets behind him came Winnie the Pooh. Good morning, Eeyore. Good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt if it is. Some of us can relate that, can't we? How many of us here are not morning people? May I see your hands? Come on, be honest. There's a lot of us out there, right? I mean, how many of us truly, when we wake up in the morning, we wake up grouchy? We don't believe in God until we've had that first cup of coffee. How many of us let grouchy sleep in? May I see those hands? <laughs> you see, you are either a good morning, Lord, or good Lord, it's morning. Now, let me give you some suggestions. If you find yourself feeling down, doobie, doo, down, down, and you're looking at the world, not through rose-colored glasses, but through some gloomy glasses where everything is dark, may I suggest that you first go to bed early? Because you know what? It is amazing to me. Is it not how the physical plays into the emotional, that plays into the, the spiritual, that plays into the mental? And going to bed could just make a huge difference in your life early. The second thing I would suggest is whatever you do, when you do wake up in the morning, do not turn on your TV and watch Bad Morning America. <laughs> Folks, we don't need in the first thing in the morning to be hearing about all the fighting and rioting that's going on in Minneapolis. Or all the rapes that have occurred, or all the, or the police, officers. all those things are important. Those aren't the first things that we ought to be flooding our minds with. You and I need to start our days with the good news. Don't let all the negative information uh, that shape your mood of the new day. Every day that you wake up is a new day that God has given you. And he wants you to start it out with good news. And then finally, I would just say this, start that day rather with worship. Listen to a worship song. Talk to God about the things that you know that are gonna be in your day. And then read your Bible. Because study after study after study has shown that for the first 10 minutes of your day, how you spend the first 10 minutes of your day will shape the rest of your day. And guess what? You and I can control that. It is something that we can do to build our faith. And if we start the day out right, guess what? We got a better chance that it'll be that way. Take a look at what David said out of Psalms 34, 9. Worship God if you want what? The best. Worship opens doors to all what? His goodness. And you and I can choose to do that. The second thing is this. 
Think about God's promises. If you want to expect the best, folks, you got to think about God's promises. This is David's second secret to expecting the best, or optimism, if you want to put it this way. And he practiced this, especially during the dark days of his life. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 95. David said, though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind upon your promises. As David faced threats of assassination, folks, he kept his mind on the promises of God. And you know what that did? It quelled his anxieties that were in his heart. And he had them on his heart, interesting. Why? Because he'd memorized them. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 11. David said this, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. He dropped them from his head into his heart. And there is only one way that you can do this. And I just absolutely love what Pastor, Pastor Mark is doing to help us at least memorize one verse a series. And that is memorize God's word. Nothing will move you faster in improving your attitude than memorizing God's word. Paul said it like this. I, I, I love this out of Philippians 4. You'll do what? Best. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. You've heard me say this before, that if you act discouraged, it's because you feel discouraged. And if you feel discouraged, it's because you're thinking discouraging thoughts. You and I have a choice in that. Do you think that watching TV will help you or hinder you be more of a positive person? Do you think it will energize you or will it demoralize you? May I suggest that you and I watch and listen to something different. That we listen to God's promises because folks, they have the power to move us from wherever we're at to where God is leading. Take a look at this verse out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us what? Going. He always keeps his word. And Pastor Mark has been leading us in that by memorizing a verse. And this verse this week is what? Acts 1.8. Okay? And it's about the power of the Holy Spirit that we're gonna be filled with. And Mark is gonna unfold that for us next week as he talks about chapter two. So, I know we think oftentimes, but Pastor George, my life is so busy and it's filled with so many things that are going on. It's just hard for me to memorize verses. I understand that. It is hard. So let me suggest this, that you memorize just part of a verse. Can I do that, Pastor George? Yeah, God's not going to get mad at you. 
He'd rather you memorize part of a verse than not memorize the verse at all. I can't tell you how many times in my life, in the 32 years that I've walked with life point, that I wanted to throw in the towel. And God would bring back to my mind a promise. And in essence saying, George, I'm in control. I'm going to guide you. I've got a plan. And I'm going to give you strength for what's ahead. Promises give faith. The third secret is this. Trust in God's love. Trust in God's love even when it looks bad. Take a look at Psalms 42 verse 11. Notice what David said again. Oh my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. For I know that I shall again have plenty of reason to praise him for all that he will do. Notice that last phrase that he is talking about the future. I.e. what's coming next. Because he says he will do. That is expecting the best. And David says you know what? I'm not going to get discouraged. Even though it may look like a dead end, even though it may not look good from your perspective, I'm going to expect the best because I know that my God is in control and I know he's got a good plan. It's the best plan for my life. It is custom made. It is shaped for me. And David then says, I shall again, meaning that God has done it before and God will do it Again, I know that some of you are going through some dark times. I still get calls. I still have people say, George, can we get together for lunch? You see, what do you do when you're facing that giant? And not just one, maybe four other ones. You got to remember what God has done in the past. Folks, we tend to forget all that God has done in our past. And when we remember those things, we need to expect that God will do it again. And that is the trusting in God's love part for you. Oftentimes when we are facing some giant in our life, folks, we rarely understand what God is doing. And God oftentimes doesn't give us an explanation either. Why is that? I, I don't know completely. I, I think one reason is he doesn't really have to. But I think the bigger reason is that he wants you and I to just trust him. And we're in that stage right now as we're transitioning leadership to a good leader. Then I am behind a thousand percent. And so when you face those things, what do you do? You cry out to God. God, I know you are in control. I know you love me. I know you know everything that is going on in my life. I know you want the best for me. You are custom designing this for me. And even though I don't understand what I am going through right now, God, I'm going to trust you. If you're with me and you're praying over something and I'm praying for you, you can almost be assured that I will end that prayer. God, we thank you for your love and I thank you that 
you're for us and we trust you. That is a deeper level of faith that God wants you and I to get to when we're facing giants. That somehow, some way, because he's in control, he's working it out for our good. Take a look at Hebrews 12, 10. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is what? Best for us, training us to live God's holy best. Truly, the key to handling tough situations is to see them from God's perspective, that he is out for our good. And if we do so, what happens is that he, that problem begins to shrink because we're beginning to see that truly God is in control. Personally, in the last three months, Cheryl and I have probably been on one of the toughest journeys of our life and not because I'm retired and not because I'm at home more with her. But as you know, Cheryl got COVID at Christmas. And then about a month afterwards, she began to experience fatigue. Where basically all Cheryl does is wake up in the morning and me being the chief cook and bottle washer and caretaker, get her ready for the day. And then after that, she goes to the lazy boy or the couch or back to bed. And it's been going on for three months. And it gets wearisome. But Cheryl and I, but Cheryl, I would say this, Cheryl has the practice of being in God's word every morning. It keeps her spirit alive. And together, Cheryl and I pray. And we come together and God we don't understand what's going on here. And I've told her, she's asked, George, I know you don't like this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. No, this is not fun, okay? If this is what retirement is like, I'm ready to go back to work full time. <laughs> and you would be, you'd want that too, shoot. But we've prayed and we've concluded our prayers. God, we trust you. We trust you with our whole life. The boundaries that you have set for us have fallen in pleasant places. Here's a verse, Psalms 91. I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, the Goliaths that you are facing in your life, God has allowed them to come in to help you just Trust in him. Tune in to God. Think about his promises. Trust in God's love. And then finally, talk with other believers. David hung out with positive people. One of the big influences in his life was, uh, was um, uh, Jonathan. He wasn't a guy who faced life alone. He had others around him to emotionally, spiritually, and physically, mentally support him. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 63. I'm a friend and companion of those committed to living by your rules. Folks, you need to attach yourself 
to people who have faith, positive faith. Let me ask you this question. Who do you hang out with? And the people that you hang out with, can you talk with them about your faith? And if you can't, and if you do, will they support you in your faith? Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that you and I need to get rid of negative people in our lives. We need to keep a few of them around just for ministry's sake, right? But we sure in the world need more positive people, people of faith, than we do negative people. We need more VIP people than VDP people. We need more very inspiring people than we need very draining people. Because those people make a difference in our faith. And they can help us to expect the best. That's why I say all the time, get into a small group. Church, for those of you who are online, it's time to come back. You need community. You need a hug from me. You need to hear from Pastor Mark. Obviously, if there's health reasons, like my wife, hey, understandable. Cheryl's watching right now. Hi, sweetie. It's time. We need people in our lives. But mostly what we need is God. That's who we need. And I want to close with this verse right here. Psalms 37, verse 4, out of the message. I love the message, Eugene Peterson, go God. Keep company with God. Get in on the what? The best. Today, you can start expecting the best. God has put that within your realm. As you tune in to God every morning, as you talk with him, as you think about the promises of God, as you trust in the fact that God loves you, he's got a plan for your life and that he's in control and he has custom made it, no matter how many giants come in your life, he's gonna get you there. And as you and I have the right kind of friends in our life, Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at today, but I wouldn't want to face the world that we live in now on my own. I'd want someone like that song we sang that is higher than the heavens. Can I encourage you today to make Jesus your friend by dropping him from your head into your heart? Because he's the only one that can help you look at the world with great expectations. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are an awesome God. And that every day that you give us, when we wake up in the mornings, it's a new day. A new day to grow in our faith. To believe that you're working for our good and for your glory. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the, the faith that you've even given me 
of working in my own life personally, God, to opening up my eyes to the importance of having a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for that because today I am a different person than I would have been. Do you want to be a different person? Do you want to look at your world, your problems differently? Will you just invite Jesus Christ to come in by just simply saying this, God, I admit I've been doing life by myself and it's not working out. But I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins, to be my savior, to rescue me, my life from the problems that I've created in my life. And I'm committing myself to you. I'm putting my trust in you. Save me, God. Work in me and work through me. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just let me know? You can take the communication card that's in front of you and just... Give me your email address. Or you can take it to someone out in front at the guest service table. And we'd be glad to give you some literature that will help you understand what you've just done. God, we thank you for your word. And we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.